0: it feels archaic saying these messages out loud, but it's like, be happy with what you have. You know, your job is to serve others and your value comes from doing that. Yeah, just kind of the expect little and you will be rewarded are just really common ways that women are oriented toward the world. So sometimes that question of like, what do you want can be like, I haven't thought about it. And then there's all this like, why haven't I thought about it? Why don't I want something? And it's like, well, that might not be a well-earned muscle for you because you've been literally told not to do that.
1: Yes. There's this process of
0: permission to just play, like name something, see how it feels. And, you know, I talk about women starting this really in small ways, like, Hey, Laura, where do you want to go to dinner? I don't know. Whatever you want is fine with me. It's like, just try on saying like sushi or I want a hamburger. You know, even if you don't have a strong preference, just play with what
1: it's like to actually name a desire. Welcome to You Belong in the C-Suite Podcast. You are ambitious in life and in your career, but something is missing. You want to bring more of your passion to what you do, because let's be honest, you pour a ton into your work and it needs to mean more. I'm your host, Laura Igel I'm a mom, wife, PhD, coach, advocate, Introvert and indoor rowing fanatic. I'm passionate about living a life that's in line with my values. We'll give you the actionable tips and tools you need to lead with your values, make a difference, and have career success. The world needs more diversity and authenticity in the top jobs at organizations. Your leadership belongs there. You belong in the C suite. If you've been listening to this podcast regularly, Or if you know me well, you know, I live a life and career aligned with my values and I help others to do the same. Last weekend, I was out with a good friend. My leadership coach self can't help, but ask my friends how their jobs are going. Work is such a big part of life and there's so much change going on right now for everyone. After a long discussion, my friend called me a career therapist. It was the best compliment ever. No, I'm not a real therapist but I can help you find career clarity to give you clarity on what matters most. And that's why I've built the, you belong in the C-suite group coaching program in the six month program. I help you gain clarity on what matters most, create the action plan to get there to reach career fulfillment and lead as your authentic self. Here's what some of the program participants are saying. Because of this program, I've been more intentional about understanding my values and aligning my professional and personal life according to what I value most. I've also taken the time to deeply reflect on how I wanna show up as a leader. This program has shown me that it's okay to make decisions that are truly in my best interests. I know that if I'm 100% true to myself, I can lead in more powerful and impactful ways. Another participant said, participating in this program helped me gain the clarity I needed on what was most important to me in my career. The exercises, reflections, and conversations with supported women have helped me to make a career change that I would not have otherwise made the structured framework coupled with a dynamic dialogue allows for personalized experience in a group setting. Best of both worlds. If you are a high achieving woman and want more fulfillment in your work, learn more at the Apply to you belong in the C-suite group coaching program now. Welcome to the, you belong in the C-suite podcast. I am excited to have you meet our guest this week, Alicia Jabbar. Alicia has designed and delivered more than 100 experiences that inspire liberated leadership for women working in male-dominated industries. She is also an executive leadership coach who partners with individuals who sit on the outside of what is known, valued, or understood in the places they live and work. Throughout their work together, clients uncover how to increase their leadership capacity without sacrificing who they are. Alicia also facilitates the interpersonal dynamics course offered at the Stanford Graduate School of Business. Prior to coaching, Alicia built a career at a high-growth data technology company, leading teams across both product management and partnerships. Her clients included top-tier technology companies, including Facebook, Google, Pinterest, twitter yahoo and amazon she was part of the initial team at data Logics that sold to oracle in 2015 at a 33 times return to investors when she's not coaching or running her business she's spending time with her family including her partner pup and kiddo unplugging in the mountains cooking a fresh meal in the kitchen or cuddling up with a good book in our conversation We talked about Alicia's career fueled by her value of curiosity. We also talked about her coaching philosophy, which I loved and includes a framework of unlearning, restoration, and creation. We also talked about common struggles women face in the workplace and actionable strategies for them, including how to modulate your strengths for different audiences. That was a really fun part of that conversation that you'll hear at the end. I loved learning about Alicia's work, her clients, and her coaching philosophy. Learning from other coaches is one of my favorite things to do. And I know you'll learn a lot from her too. Let's get started. Well, I want to welcome you to the You Belong in the C Suite podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Laura. Yeah, well, I am excited to learn more about you. And then just to meet another coach, I think that we align on a lot of things, and I'm really excited to learn from you today. So I'd love to have you tell us a little bit more about your story.
0: I grew up in the Midwest. I definitely have Midwest roots. And I think part of my story that influences a lot of my work is where I grew up. Um, I was a bit of an outsider in a couple of different capacities. Uh, My dad is from Iran. He immigrated here before the revolution in the seventies. And so where I grew up, I was kind of the only person who came from an immigrant background. Uh, We lived in a new blooming suburb in the Minneapolis area. And uh, in my elementary school years, my dad worked a lot internationally. And so my family lived abroad for a couple of formative years when I was really, really young. So I felt like I had some collection of experience that just set me apart in some way. So I was always navigating that in addition to just the natural differences that come up from having an American mom and a um, Iranian dad around, I'm this and I'm this, but sometimes I don't want to be that and sometimes I don't want to be this. So kind of where is my identity and how does it meld has been a real big imprint on my life. And if I fast forward way down through career, Actually, even if I go back to college, I've always had a job. One of my values is curiosity. And so I've kind of had a life that has just been a following of curiosity. I went west to Boulder for college, and I decided on that just driving down Highway 36 from Denver into Boulder. I saw the Flatirons, and I was like, this is where I'm going to college. I had never even set foot on campus, but I was like, this looks fun and different. And then when I graduated college, I knew I wanted to live in a city, and I took the first job that I could get in San Francisco and worked in the finance industry. And I had a manager who realized I had a lot of interest in Excel spreadsheets, and he uh, fostered me a bit to be a data analyst at that same company. And then I went on to do more data analytics and database management for Williams-Sonoma Corporate. So totally different industry and field, but still leveraging that strength that I had or that interest that I had. And then What's interesting, it kind of reminds me of the time that we're in now, but that was in 2008. And in early 2009, we were in a major recession. I worked in retail corporate. And one day just getting off the elevators, they just had boxes stacked up outside of the elevator. And it was like, oh, they're going to do layoffs.
1: Hmm.
0: And their strategy at that time was just to lay off everybody at the top. Whoever had the highest headcount and had been at the company the longest, they just let go of them. And so that was a real moment for me to realize like, jobs aren't permanent. And careers are not gonna necessarily be this view that was my parents' generation where you just stayed at the same company forever and that was gonna be your livelihood. And that gave me a lot of permission to be a little bit more flexible or creative with my career. And I actually took a break at that time a little later in 2009, and I worked on a farm in Loudoun County, Virginia and spent a year as an apprentice learning agriculture and um, sustainable organic food practices. And then I thought I would move back to Colorado and become a farmer. And that is not what happened. Yeah. Um, the economy got worse and I took the only job that I could get, which was in online advertising. Um, it was a new blooming field. And I rode that until a, a colleague from that first position recruited me to a company called DataLogix that was online digital advertising technology. And I worked there for five years until we sold to Oracle. And as part of that career, I had my own exposure to leadership programs in-house and an executive coach. So that was kind of a window into the field that I'm in now. And my my latest position with that company was to build and develop all of our large strategic partnerships with the big Silicon Valley companies. So I relocated back to the Bay Area with that job. And at some point, there weren't any partnerships left to build. And so my job was going to fundamentally change. We had just had the acquisition, and I decided I went to coaches' training thinking I would be a better manager. I thought that was like the point of it. And when I got into the rooms and started learning that I could do this for a profession, I ultimately left to do it full time. And only in retrospect, you know, part of what I think about when I think about women's leadership is those threads that are just you that can be used and applied in a lot of places. And what I came to realize later is coaching is about listening. And that is the same thing that made me really powerful in sales and strategic partnerships. And when I was a product manager, it was the ability to listen to users in a product sense and to listen to customers from a sales perspective. And it's that same listening that makes me really effective at my job today.
1: And I love that you had the career of curiosity that you did, because then you can also lend that To your coaching, because not all coaches have that myriad of experiences. And sometimes they've never even been in the business or made deals that you did and built partnerships. So I think that experience makes you an even better coach, too. Do you agree?
0: I do. You know, I feel like I can stand in my client's shoes a lot. And, you know, I've been doing this eight years. So there's part of me that's like, is my experience still relevant? You know, the the work landscape is so different now than it was eight years ago.
1: It is, but it's not. It's so interesting. (laughs) It's like the more, more, I don't know about you, but the more that, um, I, you know, coach in different industries, different leaders in different industries, the more I realize the same themes have are, are really everywhere. Yeah. I, I can relate to that. I agree with that. Well, but I, I, so I love that you, um, talked about your Value of curiosity, kind of lending yourself to different places in your career. And then realizing, oh, this coaching thing, we I can do that. So can you tell me a little bit more about who you serve and what kinds of um what kinds of work that you love doing now most with your clients?
0: Yeah, I think I mentioned I've been I've been doing this work for eight years. And one of the paradoxes I find of coaching is. I want to see every client as eternally unique. And actually just last year, I got together and thought, I went through like every client that I have served on a one-on-one capacity and finally looked at what are the threads of the clients that I serve. And the way that I contextualized it is I work with clients who feel like they are on the outside of what is understood or valued in the places they live and work. Mm -hmm. Um, So that looks like, you know, working with the chief medical officer who is a trained doctor, but now he's working in technology. That looks like a female who is the first UX representation within her company. So she is selling the organization on a new function and a new process um, that they don't yet understand. So every client I've worked with that I've enjoyed working with has some way of they feel like they're on the outside and there is both an acknowledgement of needing to wrestle with their uniqueness in new contexts that maybe they haven't had to do yet.
1: I really love how you said that. And this is like the whole reason why I call my podcast, you belong in this new suite is because sometimes I know I did not feel that I always belonged and it's because of either unique, situations, uh, or sometimes not so unique situations, right, of being one of the only females in an all-male room or an all-male industry. Um, and so for me, part of that was being, leaving a little bit differently, right, as an introvert and not the loudest voice in the room, right? And so I, f- I feel like, um, like you said, we, there is a common thread of, I feel alone because of XYZ, Um, But the commonality is that, is that we all feel and like, how, how how do we be ourselves in these places that we don't really have not seen somebody succeed in that way, especially if we're being hired to do that, right? You just mentioned, you know, come here and create this or come here and do this. It feels, feels hard.
0: Yeah. And how do I, as an individual and a human differentiate from me? what's being inauthentic versus what's just a stretch into a different capacity where naturally things are going to feel unnatural (laughs) Uh, and how you delineate and determine that for yourself. So, you know, the bounds and um, the ways in which you want to express yourself. And also I know that a lot of your podcast listeners really want to like keep going and growing and do more and be more. And, you know, what comes up for that in terms of how, what would rise for anybody versus what's brushing up against the edge of like inauthentic.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I love um, how you describe that because I think it's, at least for me, I totally resonated with that. Um, And I, and I think there's so many of us that can, how, how do you start? What do you, what do you do first?
0: Yeah. You know, I want to touch on one piece uh, that just highlights what I'm talking about. So for me, you know, and talking about my career being following my curiosity I think for years, I judge myself for that. You know, I switched jobs a lot. How can I go from finance to retail to advertising to, you know, just like the haphazardness feeling or outside looking in of my career. And as I've gotten more into the work that I do and have supported more clients in this, I see my ability to do that as actually like a strength and an expression of that curiosity. But often when we're sitting in things that kind of excite us, but that feel like edgy or different or um, vulnerable. It's actually learning how to see those things through the lens of, Oh my, that's my gift actually.
1: Yeah. Even you even described it as like, it could look haphazard or it could be following your energy and your curiosity to build a career that excites you.
0: Yeah. And taking advantage of that difference as actually something that can set me apart and put me in scenarios that I'm uniquely able to navigate or handle in a way that can create real different impact.
1: Yeah, I really like that. And I find that, I don't know if if you see the same, but as I coach women, I see a lot of um, women that are trying to def- or have a narrative around their career as one that they want to be perceived as, right? So You know, am I an expert in X or am I an expert in Y, which sometimes doesn't help kind of multi-passionate people or people that have just different backgrounds or have just different interests. They're trying to fit themselves into kind of a stereotypical career ladder, right? Or career story that looks good to others, as opposed to kind of, like you said, almost owning owning their their own narrative around their around their story, especially when they're coming onto kind of new opportunities or looking for that next thing. It's almost like, okay, well, how can I fit into what this company wants, as opposed to, hey, what do I have? And what is the story that I want to tell?
0: Yeah, exactly. You know, the part of my work that I didn't touch on explicitly is group programs for women. Um, I've been doing that about six years. And the original intent behind that was to give women tools that were present in my executive coaching earlier in their career and purpose to do it in groups where women came from a lot of different organizations. So there was a natural network effect of who you were meeting. So you could kind of like see what it's like to be in other worlds, careers, functions through working with women from a lot of different organizations. And one of the interesting things that happens in that program is there's almost like a one dimensionality when women join the program. Like they all kind of have the same dream, which is like climbing the ladder and getting to the top of, you know, whatever field they're in. And at the end of three months, which is how long the program is, it's like, everybody's a different flower. Yeah. Like they've all kind of reached this point of permission where they have in creativity and inspiration with each other, they've given themselves to deviate from what is idolized as like the perfect career and really stepped into stepped into a vision and a story of what that is for them uniquely and being able to see how that just makes sense for them yeah. based on their experience and who they are and what they want to create and what they value. Um, and it's really a beautiful transition to see in such a short time.
1: I love that you that you touched on that, this idea of giving yourself permission to kind of let go of what you thought you're supposed to do and actually doing what you actually want to do. And it's an aha. That's a very common learning theme. I think I also have a group coaching program similar in, in that idea of, oh, I can, I can do this. I can, I can do what I want. And I never get tired of that insight <laughs> from women that I work with. Um, but there's, um, they see others and they see, they learn from others in the group or they finally get to that place themselves. Um, and that light bulb is just, I just love it.
0: Yeah. Part of my program, the first module of my program is called, um, unlearn and it's really looking at the ways that women are conditioned in the primary dominant systems, which can include your family system. And then just the general systems that we all swim in. and unlearning some of what, those, what society's expectations are and starting to rewrite, you know, who you are and how you want to operate and how you want to value things. And one of the things that I find in my program is women are kind of conditioned out of wanting. Mm-hmm.
1: Tell me more about this. So true. So true. Let's <laughs> dig into this topic.
0: So there's a little, it feels archaic saying these messages out loud, but it's like, be happy with what you have. You know, your job is to serve others and your value comes from doing that. Yeah, just kind of the expect little and you will be rewarded are just really common ways that women are oriented toward the world. So sometimes that question of like, what do you want can be like, (gasps) I haven't thought about it. And then there's all this like, why haven't I thought about it? Why don't I want something? And it's like, well, that might not be a well-earned muscle for you because you've been literally told not to do that. Yes. There's this process of, Permission to just play, like name something, see how it feels. And, you know, I talk about women starting this really in small ways, like, hey, Laura, where do you want to go to dinner? I don't know. Whatever you want is fine with me. It's like, just try on saying, like, sushi or I want a hamburger. You know, even if you don't have a strong preference, just play with what it's like to actually name a desire.
1: Yeah. And to
0: be in that space of playing with what it's like to actually say something instead of just being, as accommodating as we're taught to be. Not because accommodating is bad. It's just about expanding your range and knowing what it's like to declare something and what it's like to accommodate. It's just, you know, expanding what's available to you.
1: I love that. And then it's, again, giving yourself permission to exercise that in the small and the big ways. I totally resonate too with this idea that this could seem big and scary. Like, oh, I have to I can decide like, and then it feels very big. And then maybe we don't do anything, <laughs> but I like this just starting small.
0: And early in your career, you know, like I said, my first boss said, I, I noticed that you're good with Excel. Have you ever considered this? It's like, as you grow in your career, somebody will kind of plant seeds. Yeah. Have you considered this? No, let me go there. You know, and then at some point we've followed a couple of seeds or a couple of suggestions. And then there is this point where you kind of have to ask yourself what you want. Yeah. Yeah, that, that is a natural transition from just like kind of experimenting and following things and following suggestions to like really standing with yourself and saying, okay, based on what you've learned so far, what do you think you're wanting?
1: And sometimes it it's even easy to start with, what do I not want? <laughs> I love even starting there because that's telling you something, right?
0: Yeah. And going one level deeper, what about that is not desirable to you?
1: Right, right. Yeah, absolutely. I love this idea of starting with the unlearning. It's very powerful. What do you do next in that program? If you don't mind digging into it a little bit more.
0: Yeah. The second step of the program is restoring, which is having you come back to your inherent nature. Mm -hmm. So in a really um, broad strokes way, we're kind of all born these brilliant little humans. Um, I have a two-year-old son. So this is like very present for me. And then at some point you're just exposed to a lot of different messages and you're conditioned in a lot of different ways and you follow that conditioning or don't follow that conditioning. And that has an impact on your life. And once you've kind of looked at that conditioning and the unlearning, the restoring is about who are you kind of underneath all those things? What, what makes you tick? What makes you come alive? What do you know you're wanting for yourself and for your world? What's the impact you want to be having on the people around you? What are the things that you value? What comes naturally to you. Um, and so there's an exploration in, in that about let's restore you back to kind of who you are. And then from there, the third module is on creating. So now knowing what you know about who you are, what is it that you want to create in the world for yourself, for those people around you, and then having you look at what it is that you want to do in order to create what you're wanting to create. I view everything through a leadership lens, and I, I think that there are two sides of leadership, the who you are being and what are you doing. And a lot of the beginning of my programs is really focusing on that be aspect. And then in service of that, how will you become more of that in, in what you create in the world?
1: One of my favorite things is to get direct messages on LinkedIn from female executives. They reach out to me directly, maybe on a not so great day after back-to-back meetings or being triple booked after a day ruled by things, not moving the needle. And they think, what are we even accomplishing here? I don't feel like I'm making an impact. They reach out to connect because they f- want a safe space to figure out what's next for their career. Because right now in their role, they know it doesn't feel right. Something is misaligned. They know it in their gut and they've made a pivotal decision. And that's why this is one of my favorite things because these leaders are ready to be intentional and strategic in their career. That feeling might sound similar to you. You might be watching others get promoted seeing other people ascend to positions that are well beyond their skill set and you feel frustrated and maybe not valued. I want to tell you that you can step into larger, higher paying roles while having boundaries you never even thought were possible. How would it feel to walk into your work week knowing that you have a list of challenging things ahead of you, that you have more control over your day? You know, you might be shocked how calm and centered and focused that you feel. The opportunities are coming your way, and there's no part of you that's hesitating to consider them. I want you to get more strategic in your career, to figure out that next step, to land that promotion that you want, to feel like you are in charge of your week, to set the standard for how you work and how you show up. I know that you're ready. You're ready now. Join me and other high-achieving women in the six-month group coaching cohort. Apply now at thecatchgroup.com slash group /group coaching. That's thecatchgroup.com slash group /group coaching. Learn more and apply today for the You Belong in the C-Suite group coaching program. Um, We talked a bit about values before we started too, and I love that it it's part of your restore phase because it is, it is getting back to who you are. And again, I still find that people have sometimes a hard time with this too, because they're like, wait, what just kind of like what I want, like, what do I want? Like, who am I? Um, It feels big. It can feel scary it can feel like I have to write this in stone, <laughs> where actually, like, let's just get started and see what feels natural to you. What do you gravitate towards? Where's your energy feel like it needs to go? And if you can't find the right perfect word, that's fine. Try out different things and, and figure out what you resonate most with, and then evolve some of that um, over time. But do you find that in this, store phase that that comes back kind of almost as perfectionism of, oh, I have to get the right thing. Who am I? And it, does it still feel big?
0: Yes. The short answer is yes. And I think where perfectionism comes at play, at least in my experience and what I see in a lot of women is sometimes our values conflict with one another.
1: Yes. Yes, they do. It's I know like
0: my I'm, I'm in a situation and I could choose my value of flexibility mm-hmm. um, or I could choose my value of courage. And sometimes those are two really different things. And then it's like we set ourselves up to think, how can I express every value in every situation? And the world and our choices are way more complex than that. So I think, you know, releasing from the perfection a little bit and actually just seeing it as you almost, you said this, try it on. Like, what would it look like if I did this with flexibility from center? What would it look like if did with courage? Okay. I'm just kind of experimenting to learn and to kind of continue to inform my system about how I might be an expression of these things, even when things are really complex and not clear and there's no like one right way or one wrong way.
1: I like that. There is no one right way and no one wrong way. And it's about the exploration. Completely agree. And so as women work through your program um, at the end, are they making decisions on the impact they create through work through life where does it kind of start and um what kinds of if you want to give any examples of things that clients have done
0: yeah i have an exercise that's called the manifesto, which is basically just a almost like mad libs from the 80s and 90s around like uh-huh. there's a bunch of like fill in different sentences i am a woman in the world who blank what comes to mind you know when i walk into a room people blank you know, when I'm in a meeting, the impact I create is blank. It's like, it's just like getting generative around who you want to be and the impact that you want to create. And then in the create section, it's actually finding ways to do that in real time.
1: Mm.
0: Okay. Go into your world. And if that's the impact you want to create on a meeting space, what might you play with in order to do that? Mm. And then what do you learn as a result? What actually gets created? And then how do you need to modify or adjust? to be the person you want to be and to create the impact you want to create. And I say this, it's worth mentioning bias and nuance, Yeah. but it's, um, it's creating a filter that is bigger than that one component of women's experience at work.
1: Say more about that.
0: You know, you can want to have an impact of being really collaborative and you could do that eight times out of 10 and maybe two times out of 10 or in two really um, important cross-functional relationships, they just don't happen. Mm. Um, And so you get to be the decider of kind of what's yours and what's not yours. Yes. And women have this tendency to say, well, I'm not collaborative because there's this one person who I just can't seem to work with. And it's like, you are creating that impact in eight other places. This does not mean that you are not collaborative or you're not being an expression of that in the world. It just means that like, based on general bias and how a lot of workplaces are designed for men with men in mind, it's not always going to work. And that doesn't mean that you're not being authentic or you're not, you know, fill in the blank, whatever other story you might make up about it.
1: I love that you just talked about this because I think, oh my goodness, we put ourselves in these situations of conflict where, in conflict where, we probably give too much of ourselves, like you said. Like we're over collaborative with that person who is just not there. Maybe a toxic leader, or we see other problems that in you know in the workplace that is technically not our remit to solve, but we know that we can influence it because you know I want to make an impact in this area, right? And then we overextend ourselves. And one of the common things that I talk to clients about is where, where does your work begin and end? Where are those boundaries? Like you said, those boundaries of, well, I don't have to, I can make it the decision to not continue to extend myself to this person who is not collaborative. Right. And knowing when to do that, I think sometimes we, we, we don't, we overextend ourselves more often than not. Right. And don't give ourselves permission to, to not be a hundred percent, all of us all the time.
0: One of my core tenants is again, everything is through the leadership lens. Leaders are responsible for their world and leaders are respond to their world mm. and leaders being responsible to the, to their world. When we introduce this with clients or in my programs, it's defining that responsibility because it, what happens a lot is what you're speaking to where women go overboard on the responsibility. And when we can more properly decide for ourselves what we are and are not responsible for and create clarity around this, I know you work on boundaries in your program, like that, that definition for yourself helps contain what's a full expression of your leadership. And then the respondability piece is the ability to be moved beyond reaction and, and warn habits and patterns. Again, that are a lot to do with our socialization and to really be creative and be in full range of your capability as a leader so how you operate with you know somebody at work who cannot see you can look different than how you operate with somebody who, who is very uh, collaborative and cross functional and supports your work and you being different in both of those situations is actually you being in your full leadership capacity ooh i like that you get to multiple levers that are meet the reality of what you're facing and to modulate your own way of being based on what's really in front of you.
1: I love the word modulate because I think if I think about, I love giving feedback and that's one of my core values, but if I do not have trust with someone or they've broken it, whatever it is, I might have tried to give them feedback in many different ways. They might not be receptive to it, and I need to modulate then uh, myself, and that's not with them in that in that relationship. And you know, sometimes I feel like, well, am I am I being authentic if I'm not doing this? And and then I feel in conflict with my own values, but I have to I have to know that you know that is not being reciprocated. It's either not a safe space. They're not in a position to learn for me right now. The feedback is maybe wasted, I might be wasting some of my time, and my energy could be best used other places. But I love the idea of kind of knowing when to modulate, and that it's okay. And it's your decision.
0: Yeah, 100%. Like and and building that trust with yourself that you actually can know and identify both logically and like in your being, when it's appropriate for you to step into that thing that is really important to you. And when to pull back based on what's happening,
1: yeah and and if it's safe or not, right? right. And
0: if the person is receptive,, mm-hmm. you know, if somebody's like closed off and in a down place, it's like maybe that's not the time to give them feedback.
1: Yeah, absolutely. But I, I love the the idea that you just mentioned the idea of trusting yourself and knowing and again, giving yourself permission to modulate in different ways and showing up with that energy in the places that it makes the most impact.
0: And I think something that's important to talk about for women's leadership, you know, I talk about my programs help you unlock leadership your way. And I had a story, I'm writing an article about this, actually. A girlfriend of mine was saying, you know, she's in her her mid fifties. She's coming back to more feminine language. And she feels like she's been in this space for a really long time. And she's been taught to kind of be declarative say things a certain way, um, you know, don't ask permission, don't hedge your bets. That's like very prominent right now in women's leadership. And she's found for herself, she's adopting feminine um, language again. May I share an observation with you? Mm. you know, she'll say that before she shares the observation. And if we take, um, you know, women's leadership too strictly, somebody might be saying, you know, you're hedging your bets or you're doing something or like, you know, that's unnecessary. And when she was talking about it, she was saying, I feel like I'm coming home to myself, like kind of re-giving myself permission to actually ask the question before I share my observation. To ask if somebody's interested in hearing my opinion before I share it. And how it's like she's coming back to her way. And she feels more alive in doing that than she was when she was kind of following quorum around just say it. Just give your opinion, just give your perspective. There's so there's this. There, it's just a different kind of noise in our work. And I think even if that noise is present around how we should respond to what's in front of us, there's still always another layer of like maybe and try it on and see what it feels like for you.
1: Yeah. And maybe just try and do what feels um, more you. Like you said, she was coming back to herself. It feels like she was back to restore. Yeah. And, because if I'd rather her say that and say the thing that she wants to say than not say anything at all. Um, or say it in a way that doesn't feel her. Right. uh, right? And so whether that means speaking first or asking a question or listening and then responding at the end, or, you know, the way that she did it with that transition question, figure out what works best for you. And maybe it's different things in different situations with different people and stakeholders and that kind of thing. But I don't think, but I think we're getting back to there is no right way, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah I like it. And I like trying trying different things. And if it doesn't if you didn't like it, then maybe don't do it again. And if you did, try it again and see how yeah. see how that works,
0: and, and there's a piece of needing to let whatever happens be okay. Like, okay, I'm gonna try this. and then kind of releasing some of the judgment and the criticism about how it didn't go right, or, you know, what was I thinking to try that way? It's just like, yeah, there's just something loosening that comes from viewing things as an experiment and then asking yourself like, what did I learn as a result of that experience? Okay. How do I want to like tweak it again in order to be an expression of my values in order to create the impact that I want to
1: create? Yeah. I feel like that can be a whole other podcast, Alicia. <laughs> I'm releasing. It's so, so good. Yes. It's, um, and it kind of almost goes back to the, the unlearning part. It's like, How can we kind of, like you said, kind of release expectations, learn what does it feel like? Did it feel me or not? And how do I continue to move forward with impact? Absolutely. I love it. Well, thank you so much for this conversation today. I loved chatting with you, getting to know you, understanding your coaching philosophy. I love these connects. I think sometimes people ask me, Hey, how come you have other coaches on your podcast that work with similar people? And I love it because I think the, I don't know if you agree, but this idea of, you know, connecting with other coaches, it's like a field of abundance. It's like, you know, especially if we can partner in the future, or I can refer somebody to you, or you can refer somebody to me. It's, it's like a, um, that's less competition. It's more, I want to keep learning and I love learning from other coaches. So thank you for sharing this space with me today.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, like anything we can get so locked into our own world. I think just being in conversation, even about my work and how it relates to yours, it almost adds like texture or nuance or color to the things that are just kind of in my mind all the time. Yeah. Um, and so you help me understand what I'm about in a, in a way that I can't do alone.
1: Thank you. Same. And I really appreciate, um, you know, just getting to know you and, you know, giving um, you a voice to a new audience. And I'd love to hear how we can keep connected and what we what we should look out for you um, in terms of programs in the future.
0: Yeah, the easiest, most consistent way is I write a weekly newsletter that is all about the intersection of women's leadership and male dominated industries which you can find on my website. And um, because I think brilliance happens when women gather together to have this, this type of conversation, I lead a free monthly call called the Women's Leadership Collective. It is the second Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific. And you can find more about that on my website as well.
1: Awesome, and we'll link um, website in the show notes of this episode.
0: Great, thank you so much for having
1: me. Yeah, thank you so much for being here. I want to thank you so much for listening to the, you belong in the C-suite podcast. If you are enjoying this content, please remember to rate and review on apple podcasts by leaving a review. You're helping others find this content. We will be featuring five-star reviews on air in upcoming episodes, editing and support for the podcast is done by S and E podcast management to get more tips and tools to help you live a life guided by your values go to thecatchgroup.com. Keep your boundaries and take care.